Welcome to the Nordic Football Podcast. This is episode 6. Coming up on today's show. My Norwegian team in focus this week is Sandefjord and we are joined by one of their assistant managers, Sean Constable, to give us a great insight into the club. It's about getting getting a foothold into the Elite Series and, and then trying to fight like hell to stay in there, you know. Um, so, you know, we, we, we've worked on that. Our match in focus this week is AIK against Ostersund, which was a cracking two-all draw. We analyse and dissect the game in full detail. For the first goal of uh, Ostersund, he's just static. He just he's ball watching, and um, you know he's a major part of why that goal was actually allowed. What has happened to Magnus Wolf Eichram at Malmo? John talks about this wasted talent on the sidelines. I think if you have an ambition in football, uh, any sport director listening or any you know club, but the big teams in Sweden should be looking to sign these players. They should be doing everything they can. And my player in focus this week is Oi Omoi Wampo, the first player in the Elite Serie in this season to hit 10 goals. Hopefully maybe he can prove me wrong, you know, and end up in a really, really high level, but um, I'm not totally convinced that will happen. So, we've got plenty of great content on this episode for you. Settle back and enjoy it. Steve Wiss here and I'm joined as ever by Jonathan for Dugbra and this is episode six of the Nordic Football Podcast. How are you doing this week, John? Uh, I did hear you've been playing a bit of uh, foot golf. Is that correct? Yeah, hi there, Steve. Hi, everyone. Yeah, I had a bit of a game of um, foot golf this weekend, just gone. Uh, very competitive game uh, near me. It was a yeah, good good game actually. Yeah, good good bit of fun. So I definitely recommend it. It, was a, it makes a bit of a change from. Uh, football but uh how have you been how's things with you i heard you've been playing a bit of cricket and uh, what's the latest with you yeah yeah i've been back on the field you know obviously i've had this shoulder injury and uh i decided uh to make an early return a uh, bit of a risk but yeah sometimes you've got to take the risks uh i batted absolutely terribly um couldn't hit the ball off a square mate um but uh you know that's what's going to happen in it after when you've had a month out um there's a lot of rust around so uh yeah, luckily my team won. We're top of the league, and um, our overseas player scored a really great innings, ninety-six not out, and um, it really was a splendid, uh, splendid knock um, to get us over the line. So um, yeah, enjoyed uh, getting out there. Really, it was a nice day for it. And uh, so foot golf, how does that actually work, then, John? Well, it's fairly simple, isn't it? I think it's self-explanatory. The foot uh, golf with the feet. So yeah, you. Um... 
and you can get pars and birdies. In the game of golf, yeah, you get your pars and you've got to kind of pass the ball into the into the into the uh, enlarged hole uh, of this football shaped. And yeah, it was a really competitive game. Unfortunately, uh, I went down on this one. I didn't didn't uh, wasn't success. I wasn't victorious, but um, that's for another time. Uh, what have we got today on the show? Well, we've actually got a brand new feature we're going to start off with, um, and it's going to be called Eat My Shorts, and I think you're going to tell the listeners a bit more about it. Yes, indeed. Yeah, that's right. We're going to start with a new, uh, another new format today, guys. So um, this is going to be, we, we, we mulled over the name for this one, and we couldn't really think of what to call it, but we're going to call it Eat My Shorts. Uh, any fans of The Simpsons may be familiar with why. But uh, yeah, we're going to have short, sharp, 20-second uh, bursts here of... We're going to hit you with short, sharp bursts of news. Uh, five points from Norway, five points from Sweden this weekend. Um, with a 20-second timer, it's going to be on the clock. So, you know, get yourselves, set your times ready. And uh, Steve, uh, I don't know who's going to start, me or you. Are we going to, are we going to toss a coin? or? I'll, I'll, you know, go on, I'll, I'll get us underway. And um, I do believe there's actually going to be an alarm that if I, if, if, if I overrun, I'm going to be cutting my tracks here. Yeah, there will be. So... Uh, Let's get down to eat my shorts and see how this goes. Okay, you ready? Count, for count me down. Count me down then. And, and we'll your, count your first major point of the weekend in, in Norwegian football this weekend. Ready? Three, two, one, go. Okay, so at the top of the table, Rosenborg held to a sensational 3 all draw away against Christiansund. Um, it was 2-0 at halftime. It looked to be in the bag. But Christiansund came back to actually lead 3-2. And then you need Nicholas Bentner, the Lord himself, to equalise right at the last minute in injury time. But Sarpsborg and Brand. They can't take advantage because they could only have nil-nil draw. So it's as you were at the top of the table, John. Yeah, and uh, over in Sweden, Malmo and AFC was the game of the one of the games of the weekend. Um, new manager Michael Jolly in his first game in in Sweden, they went down three-two to Malmo, the champions, uh, bottom of the table. But they actually were two-one up half time from a fantastic goal from Ferid Ali. Uh, Michael Jolly had changed his tactics, but Malmo came back with Oscar Levicki winner. Yet more late woe for Viking. They came from 2-0 down against uh, Mulder. Um, a brilliant second-half performance from Ian, Ian Burtnell's men. They deserve something out of the game. But yet again, uh, that late goal curse strikes uh, for the bottom-of-the-table uh, club. And uh, I don't know, how, how, how on earth can this keep happening, John? It's just ridiculous now. Yeah, and uh, can anyone mow down Malmo? That's the big talking point of the weekend, really, in Sweden. Uh, Nor Shopping, who are second, have gone down to Orebro. 4-2 at the weekend. They're now three points behind with a game extra played. But, you know, is the title race already done before it starts? It was a real crushing blow for the league. That's well ahead of 20 seconds, Quali. I'm way ahead of it. There's a real lack of goals in Norway at the moment. Um, over 2.5 matches are below 50%. Uh, and when you think it was actually 60% a couple of years ago, there's been 10 nil nil draws already. Uh, I don't know what the hell is going on. I know it sounds weird after that three-all draw on Monday night, but there's not enough goals in the elite Assyrian right now, John. I want to see more, more goals. Yeah, Svante Ingelsen is the uh, latest big signing uh, to talk about this week. Uh, he has gone from Kalmar to Udinese for roughly €700,000. Uh, that's the reported fee. He's similar to Malka Helberg at Kalmar, who also went to Udinese. Uh, but he is back at Calmar on loan now. So Calmar are making a bit of money there for them to maybe rebuild because they are currently in the relegation battle. Almost under the radar, Strums Goodser have become a bit of a club in crisis. They're third bottom still. 
And after 14 games, I think I've got to ask a lot of questions about Scullerud. Is his job safe? Does he need to go? What is going wrong at Scrums Goodsir? They seem a mess in all the areas of the field, especially midfield, especially in defence. Club in crisis at the moment, big time. Yeah, and uh, over uh, in third place, Sirius, we have to talk about them. They are absolutely flying. The manager, Kim Bergstrand, as we mentioned on Pod 5, he's done a fantastic job there. Uh, for me, they've been a revelation of the season so far. You know, they're now third. Can they continue this run? They lost Kingsley Safo, but they won 2-1 at the weekend. Nobody can stop them at the moment. Are they potential outside title challengers? Europa League results, really good week for Norway. Uh, odd beat Ballymina Bally 3-0. Haugesund absolutely smashed Collarine 7-0. It could have been t- uh, 9 <laughs> or 10. And uh, in the Swedish clubs, great win for North Shipping, 5-0. AIK, they could only draw 0-0 uh, in the Faroe Islands, but you'd expect them still to qualify. Pretty good week overall for the Nordic teams. And finally, the final point of this, eat my shorts, uh, over in Gothenburg, Hacken got a Tuna win this weekend over Hammerby in the big game. Uh, but what the shout-out must go to Chisholm Igbuchalam, the Nigerian uh, striker who has started his first game with a campaign this week and was man of the match by all reports uh, in the place of Kamara and did really well. Well, we've uh, just about managed to come through those, didn't we? I think uh, there was one or two that was close to the buzzer, but uh, interesting little section there. How did you find it, John? Yeah, I think I need a... I think I need to lie down now. That was uh, pretty intense. No, but it's good. Uh, Ten points there. We've fitted into, you know, around two, three minutes. So um, hopefully that that was informative for you listeners. And yeah, we might go with that again one day. So yeah, Eat My Shorts, the new feature. We'd love to hear your thoughts. Don't forget, you can follow us at Nordic Footpod on Twitter uh, to tell us your thoughts. Or if you think it's a disgrace of a section and you never want to hear it again, you can also abuse us on at Nordic Footpod on Twitter uh, and follow us there for more news comment and you know obviously all the podcasts yeah feel free to get in touch we appreciate any praise or criticism uh, the lot you know any questions uh, just get in touch uh, now coming up on this show today we've got a really interesting section about Sanderfield. we're joined by uh, assistant manager sean constable and um, we've got a really good match analysis uh, from sweden aik against ostersons and um we're going to be talking about two players who, um, for different reasons, um, are rather in, f- in focus right now. Um, I'm going to be mentioning the top scorer in the elite Assyrian, Oi Omoi Wanfro, and uh, Magnus uh, Wolf Ikram uh, at Malmo. John, he's going to be your uh, player in focus this episode. So, uh, plenty to look forward to. Now then, this week, my team in focus is Sanderfield, who were promoted from the Obos Ligain after finishing second last season to help analyze and dissect this team we are fortunate enough to be joined by one of their assistant managers sean constable sean is of english nationality and i'd like to say welcome to the podcast how are you Thank doing you sean uh, yeah i'm good i'm good yeah good training today nice and warm outside for change <laughs> yeah a bit better than what it's been uh, up in the north of england recently sean i'll actually say that one um yeah, absolutely <laughs> now um sanderfield how long have you been associated with the club exactly yeah sean yeah i've been here uh, we were talking about this the other day. I think it's coming up to about six years, actually. It's been quite a while. Um, yeah, so I, I originally came in just working with the junior team. So, uh, yeah, that's six years ago. <laughs> yeah, it's quite a long time. And, and actually, yeah. the last four years, I think it's fair to say, um, it's been a bit of a roller coaster ride, hasn't it? Um, uh, two promotions, a relegation. And yeah. now, currently this season, you're currently uh, situated in mid-table. Um, pre-season, I think it's fair to say quite a few pundits had you down to be rock bottom. Um, Definitely. 
Now, obviously, we're still half of the season to go and you've got to keep on the ball. But um, so far, I mean, what do you think the key has been to your uh, success? Is it you've got a better squad now or have you learned the lessons from the last time you were in the league, do you think? Yeah, combination of the two, without a shadow of a doubt. I mean, you know, we if, if people look back to when uh, there was Odd and Stemskut uh, some, quite some years ago, they were doing the same as us, kind of, oh, boss, tip the league, oh, boss, tip the league, and <clears throat> the up and down situations, you know what I mean? It's about getting getting a foothold into the Elite Series and, and then trying to fight like hell to stay in there, you know? Um, so, you know, we, we, we've worked on that. We, we definitely learnt uh, mistakes that we made in 2015. There's no doubt about that. And also, we have a, we've applied a better calibre of player, I think, as well. Yeah, it's um, one thing I've got to say about Sandefield for the listeners who aren't actually aware is um, it was kind of this famed Lars Bohinen, who's the manager of this three-five-two formation, which is it's fairly unusual um, in, in Norwegian football. And um, you know, over the last three or four years, he's stuck um, fairly uh, religiously to it. Um, now this season, I've got to say myself, I think there's been a bit more discipline to the system. Perhaps you know, a four-five-one. Uh, away from home at times, it seems like it's um, it's more adaptable than in the past. Uh, would we agree, would you agree with that? When I say more disciplined, I mean in terms of keeping it tight defensively, uh, not in terms of actually rigid uh, formations. It's uh, we we had a tough pre-season. We really did. We didn't win. I didn't think we didn't win our first. Well, we won, we won a couple of the games against second division opposition, but we didn't win a single game against anybody of any note. And we were playing three five two. Lash is clear that we always play three at the back, no matter what. Um, so uh, I don't know. Coming towards the season start, yeah, Guy Ludwig uh, Fairlang, who was a player last year, has been promoted to one of the assistant coaches along with myself. And we we just we sat down and had a good chat about it, and. and you know, let's face it, the big team last season or this season uh, was Chelsea playing a 3-4-3. Three, three. And basically, that's what we, we worked on changing, which if you watch the way that they play, they drop into a 5-4-1 formation when they need to be really deep and they hit counter. So we've, we've kind of taken that on board a little bit. Um, and also for two of our players, uh, Pau, the Spanish guy, and uh, Andre Sutherland, to play a little bit higher in the pitch. So I think sometimes we're almost a 3-4-2-1 formation, if you want to be kind of really on it, you know? Yeah, I've seen uh, a lot of different websites sort of list your formations in, in different ways. So, so no one's really sure exactly what it is. And I think that's probably a good thing from your point of view. It keeps the opposition on the toes a little bit and uh, there's not one set system. Um, that's why... We, 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 I'll be honest with you, we, we like that. We like that variation and it gives us, we can drop, we can drop into different formations. I mean, sometimes when we, when we're pressing the ball and we're pushing people out to the side, we actually pressing the four, we pressing the four, four, two. So you know what it's like? You see, you can throw numbers around all over the place. It, it, the, the systems always morph into wherever we, wherever we need to be at the end of the day, I think. So. Now, I just want to talk to you about sort of a normal uh, working week for you at the club, uh, Sean, um, sort of Monday to Friday. How many times a week do you train? What are your actual own responsibilities? Do you, do you actually lead the sessions yourself sometimes? Yeah, yeah, we, 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 we mix it between all of us. The main the main 11 v 11 stuff, Lars always does. But um, the warm-ups, uh, the passing sessions, the possession. Um, we, we all three of us are in some, some of the time last steps out and observes more and Guy Ludwig and myself take the sessions you know what I mean so we you know we, we, we compile the sessions 
together. We put up a week of training like you, like you normally do, and then we discuss it from day to day. Every morning we come in, we have a meeting at nine o'clock. Medical staff come in, and, um, and we, we, we talk through who's fit, who's not, what type of session are we playing, you know, are we going for high tempo, and depending on what time it is in the week. Normally, if we play Sunday, everybody's in on Monday, uh, what we call active restitution. Tuesday, the players are off, and then we're in Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then we play again on the Sunday. So we're pretty, yeah, we're quite hard on our sessions on the Wednesday, of course, a little bit on the Thursday, and we start to, you know, we, we drop off a little bit um, towards the, you know, coming up for the game. And then, then we focus towards the end of the week, we focus more on the opposition. The first two days is more about us, so... Yeah, cheers. Very, very interesting little bit of uh, insight there, Sean. And um, let's just talk about some of your some of your actual players uh, out there who've been uh, performing well this year. I mean, I know it's hard for a coach to sometimes single out guys, but if I had to ask you, who, who do you think your top three performers have been this season? Uh, who would you say? You know what? I, 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 I thought about that question. It's a really tough one. I, I think, without a shadow of a doubt, the person that's emerged to be the best performer in many ways is obviously Sek. As we, we call him we call him Abo. So Abdul Isek has has taken steps that we weren't sure that he would take to be honest with you in the preseason and he's just grasped the opportunity and he's he has been very, very good for us, there's no doubt about that. One of the the players that I wanted to talk about was um Hover Storback. He's been uh, he's been outstanding for us this season, um, and uh, being one of the older players as well, and he's kind of gone into a deeper position where he's playing from before. And I would say he's probably he is probably our most influential player. If he's having a bad time, like I felt like he did a little bit against Tromsø, we we then struggle to kind of uh, play, you know, and get out of rhythm. I think so. Yeah, he's one of the big ones. I also think that even though yeah, I think Ingve, the goalkeeper, um, I think he's been. He's made some outstanding saves. He's he's in he's uh, he's done really well for us. As you can see, if you saw the last game against Tonsa, he makes an unbelievable double save towards the end of the game, which gives us a point. You know, it's as good as a striker scoring a goal, as far as I'm concerned. And um, I think in the beginning, I'm going to split it between two players here. Or well, actually, I'm going to split it between three players if I can. Um, Flamo uh, started brilliantly in the season, and then he. Then he picked up a little knock, uh, struggling a little bit, his groin. And then I think Powell and then Andre Sutherland, that, that those three have kind of taken it a little bit in terms of how they've, you know, taken the, the first half of the season, you know, uh, collectively, if you want, if you want. So that's, that's how I kind of see it. Yeah, interesting about the goalkeeper. He's probably someone that's gone a bit, a little bit under the radar, actually. Um, you don't Absolutely. often see him mentioned, do you, uh, too often? But actually, when you come to think, yeah, some great saves in there. Yeah. Yeah, and also people got to remember he, he, he is an Icelandic international. You know, I, I, obviously when he he was on the bench when uh, Iceland beat England, so uh, I didn't speak to him for the first three weeks when he came back from international duty. So, <laughs> do you know what I mean? So, but he's yeah. a good lad. And he's a good lad, and he works really hard. And he's very very typical Icelandic mentality. Oh yeah, I mean they really are hard workers up there, aren't they? Oh, and, um... mate, unbelievable. Yeah, he's a he's a he's a. And also, what I love about him is that when you finish in the session and the strikers want to work, if every time you say to him, "Hey, can you give us fifteen minutes?" It's every time. It's never a problem. I've got a lot of time for players like that. A lot of time. Yeah. Now, uh, I just want to talk a little bit in detail about a couple of those guys you mentioned. We're gonna. 
have to talk about Abdullah Sek because um, yeah. he's rather taken the league by storm a little bit, actually. Um, yeah. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of the website Who Scored, but um, he's actually ranked eighth best in the whole league and the yeah. second best defender overall behind the Torre Reginiusen. Um, I mean, this is someone who has... He's, he's not just contributed in, at the back where he's, he's a man mountain, let's just say that. Um, yeah. You know, he scored goals. He's even assisted goals. And um, I, I was looking last season. Um, I mean, he, he only started about half your games. Um, yeah, absolutely. What, what, what happened in, in, in the off-season, do you think, that, that's developed him? Yeah, I've got to be honest with you. You know, the 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 technical side of playing in the three five two. The, the, this guy is he's played four four two all the all, uh, four at the back at least all his life ever since he was a kid. And then and then you're taking him to play on. on I mean, remember he's playing left hand side. He's a right footer. But he's playing left hand side of a three. So you wouldn't naturally put him in there. And it's one of these situations in football where, you know, another man's worry is is, is another man's joy. You know, in the fact that. One of our players got injured, and then it was like, right, we've got to play sec. He's got to go in there. And he went in, and we're like, well, he, he did really well there. And then he was, then all of a sudden, he was doing really well in training. And then he plays the next game, and then he takes the next step, and we're thinking, hang on, what's going on here? And it, it was kind of like he, oh, it took it took nearly a year for everything to drop in, and then all of a sudden, for one reason or another, I don't know why, he just went bang. I've got it now. Now I've got control, and now he's been in the team. You can't get him out. Simple as that. And, uh, you know, he's re he's got really good feet for a big guy. Good, good feet, good distribution. So um, he's just getting better and better, you know. I I'm going to be honest with you. If we keep him during the summer, I'll be a little bit surprised. Yeah, um, as I say, for, for any anyone listening out there and uh, who wants to watch a Sandefield game, De definitely keep your eye on this fella at the back because he yeah. has really impressed me this year. I would, I would say personally, I think he's been yeah. your, your standout player. And, and yeah. just finally, before we move on, I just want to talk a little bit Flamia Castrati because I think at the start of the season he was a real big impetus for you, wasn't he, with some crucial goals? Yeah. And yeah. Um, in my actual my personal database, I always had him down as a sort of a primary winger actually, and. Yeah. Um, He's obviously played up front for you as a striker um, yeah. in every match he's, he's played. Did he did he come to you, do you think, as a natural striker, or did you have to work on that a little bit? No, we had him down as a striker, totally. The thing is, in the clubs he's played at, he's been to a couple of big clubs. Like when he, when he was in Stremskutzer, there were some really good players playing there, and, and, and you know, Pedersen being the main striker for them. So he tended to be playing in, in the wide, either the left or the right, in the three where really he much prefers to be in the middle. It's more of his natural game. So when he was younger, he played very much more as a striker. So when we play with uh, the three-five-two, him and, say, Mielder or the young guy, Hocken or whatever, up front, he plays in that combination. And also he can play very much on his own because he's, he's very physical. He wants to be involved a lot physically. So, no, we had him down as a striker when he came. Yeah, and we just keep working and working on him as well. Yeah, I was going to say he looks very natural up front, and um, yeah. I'm sure if he gets uh, you know back to full physical fitness, I think the goals will come again yes. for for Castrati. Um, now you just mentioned briefly about the transfer window that's upcoming. Um, do you think there's going to be a bit uh, much activity at Sunderfield? How do you actually recruit players, Sean? Do you have a specific yeah, recruitment yeah, philosophy? We, yeah, we. You know, small clubs like us, it's always difficult. We don't have to have a sports director. It's kind of like we all we all we all grab um, tip in where we can. Obviously, Lars has got uh, a lot of contacts, and Guy Ludwig can get in the game a long time. And obviously, myself and that. So 
Um, and um, so, you know, we, we, we've got some good, we've got some good agents that we trust. We know that they send in uh, sending in players for us, and we bring a few on trial and looking at people. So, because we've lost um, um, uh, Elliot Kebby, the young English guy, has now left us. So um, the, the right-sided player has gone, um, and also um, it will be, I think, in a few weeks, um, Petr Kovac will be leaving as well. So we've got a few places open. Mm, yeah, mm. so there could be a bit of ins and outs. I mean, I think every club you've got to do something, haven't you? Really, just to freshen yeah. things up sometimes. And um, yeah, and some, I think sometimes for us, we want to we want to bring in one or two players to put pressure on the rest of them to say, hey, you know, mm. you're you're not safe here, so you've got to make sure you work hard to be in the team. You want the competitiveness uh, all the time in the training. It's something I think they do really well in uh, Rosenborg, you know. They, they they have a strong squad and they constantly put them under pressure every day, so they have to be the, at their top to play. I love that. It's the right mentality. How, how difficult is it, do you think, for clubs like yourself and the majority of the league to actually challenge a, a dominant force like Rosenborg in this league? Extremely difficult. Extremely, because of money. It's just simple. You know, look, look at all the leagues in Europe. I mean, you know, you know your football. Look at all the leagues in Europe. It, it, it's, 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 it's a no-brainer when you look at the, the clubs that have the cash. They, they will always flourish the most because they can bring in the quality. Um, and then in Norway, of course, these teams, you come top of the league, you immediately you're in, in the Champions League. Okay, you may fail in that, but you're still, you're still earning money going into the into the Europa League if you can get through the first level you know there's, there's extra cash coming in all the time that makes a huge difference because I think you're finding Norwegian football yeah. crowds are down a little bit you know um, money is, is a little bit tight so you have to be clever when you're when you recruited so it's extremely difficult for us so yeah, we, play it, it we play them next week as well Rosenborg away so, <laughs> well, they're, they're not actually in, in in massively great form at the moment. So I think I think no, they're not. They're not. I think a lot of teams are starting to believe a bit more uh, yes. when they play them for sure. And um, yeah. it's going to be interesting to see how that develops. Uh, uh, just before we finish off, a little bit about yourself, uh, Sean. Um, mm. Now, um, how actually did you did you get into coaching in Norway in the first place? Yeah, it can it can be it can be a long story. I try and keep it as short as I can. Um, I'll be honest with you, it's it's. You know, when I was in England, I played a little bit professional. Played for like Scunthorpe and Halifax Town and stuff. And um, and uh, through going into non-league football, I, I met a guy. I ended up at Leeds United for in '99. I coached at their academy for like seven years, six six yeah. and a half years. I was very lucky. I worked with some top players that are now playing in the Premiership. You know, Alan Lennon and Fabian Delph and Danny Rose and those guys and stuff. So uh, I actually coached the um, the current England under twenty captain who lifted the trophy when he was eight nine and ten years of age believe it or not wow that is incredible <laughs> that is incredible watching him was incredible i sent him a message saying you know massive congratulations so uh, yeah that was quite uh, quite a special moment i must admit um and then i and then while i was at leeds i i met a guy called um uh i spun up Mikkel, uh, raymond mickelson a good friend actually and he knew he knows andrea liberto do you know him He's the head coach in uh, in Fredrikstad right now. Yes, yes, I've heard of him, yeah. Yeah, uh, um, and Ian Birchnell. So me and Andrea Liberto worked together at Leeds United in the, in the academy with the under-9s to start with. And we met Raymond, and then Raymond has been the guy that facilitated kind of us coming over. So Andrea came over before me, two years before, and then he got me a job in Ern Hotten. I don't know if you know that club. 
I have heard it. I came across them in the Norwegian Cup this um, yeah, year, they, actually. Yeah, they beat us. They beat us. They knocked us out. This that was it. Yeah, that was it, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, I worked there as their player developer for two years, and then it kind of fell through. Um, and then uh, Ronnie Holmerdon, who's, uh, who's the player developer coach here, who was the assistant coach earlier, he um, he came and got me. He headhunted me, brought me over to, to Sandyfield, and uh, and that's kind of uh, since I've been here, to be honest with you. So it, all, it was all about this guy, Raymond Mickelson, bringing a team over called Reddy, which is in Oslo. He brought them over and we were we yeah. were coaching his two teams, me and me and, Lock, me and Andrea Liberto. And that's how we met. And he was like, yeah, I want to get you guys over. And then we used to come over and do football schools for Starbeck and Volringo and all these people with the guy who's the head coach now in, in Viking, Ian Birchnell. Yeah. He's a really good friend of mine. We're really close. Um, we all work together at Leeds United, so there's this connection. Um, and now all three of us are working uh, in, in elite-level uh, football in, Nor- in Norway. Well, kind of crazy. What's, what's the actual lifestyle like, then, in, in Sandefjord, um, yeah, Sean? It's a, it's a lovely place, mate, really, especially in the summer. Typical Norwegian um, kind of uh, seaside place, in, in a way. I mean, there's like 40, nearly 50,000 people in the area. Um, yeah, it's a really, really nice place, chilled. Norwegian life is very much more relaxed. English life is much more quicker. There's no doubt about that. So, uh, and that's a good thing and a bad thing. Sometimes it's frustrating with the football players, especially the young players. They feel a little bit more entitled over here than what they probably do in England. So, have to be. Uh, it's quite quite interesting being a, a bit of a rough Englishman, <laughs> giving them a hard time. So, yeah, um, seems seems to work. <laughs> And then finally, what's your what's your relationship like with Lars uh, Bahinen? What's it what's he like to work for? Yeah, he's 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 demanding. I think that's the biggest uh, thing about him. He's he's extremely professional. Um, that's uh, you know he, he he's he's always been a hard worker himself as a football player. And he's taken it into his management, and he's he's very he's very particular on on timing on on being early and um, in the sessions, everything crisp and done sharp he's uh, he's quite particular on that and you need to make sure that you're 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 fully involved in that but he's he's probably i think i've always been i've always thought it's better to listen to yourself rather than listen to too many people so when i met Lars, you can hear rumors or whatever that i just take him for what he is and we we have a good relationship so he's, he was the one who promoted me into the 18 coaching from the juniors so um him and ronnie homewood yeah. they brought me into the a-team so you know, uh, I, I can thank him for that. And, uh, and, and the good thing about him is that he listens. You know, when we sit down and have meetings, he might say, "I want to take this player out." And if we sit down and you, and you give a good a good argument about why it shouldn't happen or why it should happen, he um, he takes it on board. Um, and I like I like that about him. I know a lot of managers are very very stuck in their ways and would not allow that to happen. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. He's open minded, and that's a really positive thing. I think it sounds like that Sandyford uh, the really pretty well-run club at the moment. I I wish you the very best of luck for the rest of the season. Thank you. Um, I hope I really hope you stay up and yeah, and, and get a bit of stability in in the elite area. And I think to be honest, I think most people out there secretly wanted you to do well this season, even though the predictions yeah. were a bit poor. I think a lot of people yeah. wanted to see Sandyford do quite well. And and yeah. thanks very much for joining us on the podcast. So hopefully yeah. the listeners get an insight in, into a club which you know to be honest not a lot of people might might, might know about so absolutely it's, yes, totally. it's great that we're, we're focusing on this club in this particular episode of the podcast but thanks a lot sean for joining us and um who knows maybe we might have you on again in the future yeah 
Yeah, that sounds... Anytime. It's my privilege. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Sean. Bye-bye. Okay, so we're going to take a little break now, but coming up after the interval, John talks about Mamo talent Magnus Wolf Ikram. Uh, our match in focus this week is AIK against Ostersunds, and uh, completing the podcast, I'm going to be talking about the Elitisarian top scorer, Oe Omoiwampo. So there's lots more content to come. Uh, let's see you all after the break. Hello, welcome back to the Nordic Football Podcast. And a uh, really interesting section there from Sean Constable. John, what do you make of it? Yeah, it was fascinating to have him on the show. And, you know, I'm a huge guest, um, you know, doing really well in the league there. It's really great to hear about someone who's gone abroad as well, managing, managing abroad. So that was a fascinating discussion. Um, raised some really interesting points for me. Yeah, great to have him, great to have him on board. And um, hopefully, you know, uh, in, in future we can, we can have him again. And... Uh, Along with some some other uh, guests, um, big high profile guests, I think we're going to get lined up. So, anyway, let's move on to this uh, bulk of the second half of the episode and uh, match analysis, match in focus. Aik against Ostersund. This was played on Sunday, and um, I've got to say, I was really an intriguing fixture. It ended two all. Um, really big clash. You suggested this one as the match in focus this week, and I'm glad you did. Um, what a match, John. It was really sort of much higher tempo than, than I expected, I must admit, um, throughout the whole 90 minutes. Yeah, really good game. Um, I obviously recommended it because, mainly partly because it was a kind of clashing styles, really. Uh, AIK, very defensively resolute. One of the best defensive records in the Swedish league uh, against the sort of mighty attacking force that is Ossesson's under, you know, the, the man they call... The uh, Swedish Guardiola, uh, Swedish answer to Guardiola, uh, Graham Potter, who's uh, English. So, yeah, it was a really interesting clash of styles and um, a fascinating game, I thought. What did you make of it? So, yeah, yeah, really interesting game of football. Um, and I think I'm, well, I'm going to start with the AIK formation itself because I've looked at about five different websites and I've seen about five different formations listed. Now, for me, it was a clear cut five five three two or even um sort of a five three one one in, in into some sort of a degree um for you how did you see the exact lineup first thing to be said is that both both teams were kind of pushing you know if they'd won either team would have won would have gone third in the league so it was you know currently now fourth and fifth after that draw so both on the same number of points uh Ostersons have one better goal difference um but they've scored eight more goals than AIK now, uh, whereas AIK have only conceded nine goals all season. So you can tell that this was a really evenly matched contest. Uh, in terms of lineups, yeah, it was pretty difficult, I think. I think there was a lot of uh, kerfuffle at the beginning of the game. Everyone was kind of wondering what was AIK's actual formation. Uh, it looks as if they've gone with 5-3-2 you know, uh, uh, or 3-5-2 with three centre-backs, um, sort of Weisenden, 
uh, Jesper Nyholm and uh, Niels Erik Johansson. And then they had, uh, they actually had Dennis Sundgren left wing back, uh, which I don't think they've done too many times this season. And then uh, Johan Blomberg, I believe, was the uh, right wing back. I mean, what what was your? I know the various websites said four four two, which was wrong. But what was your impression of that? Yeah, I mean, I personally saw it as a five three two with uh, using wing backs, and for me, the wing backs were the most interesting part of this formation. Sundgren um, at that left wing back position, it's clear for me he was more of a right footer. Really, um, I don't know where he normally plays, but um, he just didn't. From a defensive point of view, I wasn't very impressed with Sundgren uh, at all. I think he was out of position too many times. Um, yes, he offered more going forwards, and he had a fantastic assist. Uh, for the goal, a uh, great long, long direct pass there. But so from a defensive point of view, I think he went walkabout too often. And uh, Blomberg on the other side was even worse um, for the for the first goal of uh, Ostersund. He's just static. He just he's ball watching, and um, you know he's a major part of why that goal was actually allowed. Um, so I think you know they might as well have gone with it. Might as well have been a sort of a three-five-two to a degree because the two wing backs just didn't defend properly. In my personal opinion, John, I don't know what you thought of them. Yeah, I mean, I think we should begin by talking about the actual game itself and the result and who scored and that kind of thing. So um, before we delve into the tactical side of things, uh, for those who haven't seen the game or don't know too much about the game, uh, Ostersons took the lead in the 22nd minute uh, with a, a really nice, well-worked team goal uh, scored by Gary Elsomi. Um, Sam Angodos with an assist down the right hand side and we're going to obviously talk about AIK's left side will be a feature of this conversation I think um, across from the right that was and finished off by Somi Henrik Goiton then made it one all uh, in the 33rd minute uh, with a beautiful pass from Daniel Sundgren who I actually slammed on Twitter but it turned out that he was the one who played the pass so uh, apologies to him for that but um, yeah it was a beautiful beautiful through ball and Henrik Goiton back from injury uh, finished it off Somi then scored an absolute pearl in the second half, 57th minute. Beautiful, beautiful strike. Smashed it with the left foot. Took a slight deflection maybe, but it was, you know, a really great hit. And, you know, he got himself two goals in the game. And when it looked like Ostersons might be heading for an important three points away from home in Stockholm, up, 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 up popped Danny Avdic with a, an equaliser in the 87th minute. The substitute coming on and tapped in home, uh, back post, uh, Ostersons were asleep at the back to use a to coin a phrase from an elbow album, and yeah, Avdic popped in and it was two two and that was it. Um, but yeah, you mentioned your reservations about the AIK backline. I mean, is that a starting point for us? And you know, should we talk about AIK first? Um, what were your other observations of these two teams, uh, starting with the AIK? As someone who watches Norwegian football, what did you make of AIK and their prospects going forward? Yeah, as I say, I think, um, I mean, one thing that was obviously well known about them is they struggle to score goals. And I think I can, I can kind of see why they don't shoot enough, uh, from, in my personal opinion. And I don't think there's really any um, specific direction that they're kind of heading uh, in terms of attack. I mean, the goal originated from a really good direct ball. And maybe they should have looked to do that a bit more on a consistent basis. Uh, <coughs> I'm not entirely sure. Um, the, I'd say the, the, the wing-backs themselves, I don't think they defended well, but they didn't necessarily offer enough in the final third either. There weren't enough 
crosses coming in for my liking. So I just don't think the formation worked um, in, in this particular game, uh, if you ask me, John, um, out wide anyway. I know in the middle of the park, you've got some strong opinions about the battle, which you believe it, it was kind of won and lost there, don't you? Yeah, my observations, I mean, we'll come on to Austin's in a minute, but I think the game was won and lost in the midfield. Okay, he's kind of three-man midfield. Uh, Christopher Olsen, Amina Fain, who's formerly of Chelsea, uh, youngster, and Simon Thurn. I think they really kind of outnumbered uh, Birwa Nori and Fawid Bacharu in the Ostersons midfield. And that kind of was a real... Ishizaki as well kind of dropped off the number 10 role. And, and I think AIK kind of dominated the central area, really. And I think that was a key to the game. Although I felt Ostersons looked better going forward and looked more maybe dynamic as an attacking force. Um, AIK just seemed to constantly dispossess them in midfield. I thought Seaman Turn was really excellent in, in that sense. You know, he um, he made several tackles in midfield. He was kind of the ball winner for them. Uh, Ishizaki kind of playing the furthest forward off Henrik Goiton as a number 10. And yeah, I really felt, although Ostersons were leading the second half and looked fairly, you know, they should have maybe scored a third. Um they had one shot cleared off the line by Nyholm, who at times looked, you know, kind of um, looked rather weary as he'd done so much defensive work. But they never, I never really felt Ostersons were safe in the game, if that made sense. I always felt that ARK's midfield uh, superiority kind of had, and the way they kind of tackled and then broke, uh, as soon as they made a tackle, they were running at the defensive line of Ostersons. Um, and that was always a threat, I think. I don't know if you agree with me on that. Yeah, I would say that in, in midfield, ARK definitely had the edge, but I, they didn't necessarily make the most of it, if you know what I mean, um, all the time anyway. Um, I think one of the things I expected them to be heading to this game was rock solid at the back, and that necessarily wasn't the case. Um, and uh, I think Osterson certainly got in behind him a bit. Um, I've got to say, um, I've got a little bit of criticism for the goalkeeper, Linna. Um, I, I certainly believe... I know the second goal was a really great strike and it took a bit of a deflection. I think a, a real, you know, a top keeper would have saved that one. There are a couple of other instances where he was fortunate to get away with mistakes. I think there was one that's cleared off the line um, at 2 1, and um, he was certainly would have been to blame there. He just didn't seem to inspire much confidence um, into, his, into his back uh, three, really, you know. Um, so, yeah, he was someone I thought was a little bit of a weak link for. AIK without being shambolic or anything. I just something wasn't quite right about them in terms of solidity. I mean, I had this vision of a team keeping a lot of clean cheeks, but Ostersons really, really got in in behind them a lot. You know, someone like God, uh, Godos was uh, causing quite a lot of havoc. I thought um, in the game, and I was surprised that he got took off uh, in the 70th minute. Um, I don't know whether he was a bit of a knock or he was out of breath or whatever, but um, I think he was causing uh, causing all sorts of trouble. Yeah, Godas was a player. Um, he was a central figure in the match. Um, I want a bit more from him, to be honest. I, I think he can offer more. I think there's been a lot of rumours of him leaving Sweden in the summer. Uh, Ajax have been one team mentioned at times that he could go there. 23-year-old, he's, he's a lovely player. Really worth watching if you ever get to see Ostersons play. But um, I don't know, with you know 10 or 13 games gone now, he's only got three goals. I know he's got a number of assists, I think for six assists. But I would like to see him get more goals to be honest, because I think he's a real threat going forward. Um, I'm not quite sure why, because he was a threat at that time. And, you know, he came off in the 70th minute, I think. But 
Yeah, you know, one shot, Lennon made a save for a corner that maybe was close, just outside the outside the area. But apart from that, he, you know, I'd like to see him maybe get in, in goal scoring positions more often because, you know, he scored. I think it was against Gif Sunsfall, if I believe. I'm not entirely sure, but he scored a quality goal, you know, a few weeks back. Um, but yeah, let's look at Ostersons in general. I mean, they were more of a traditional kind of four four two, weren't they? But you, you had some observations about their defensive line. Is that right? Yeah, I was absolutely shocked how. Um... How how much they pushed up um, for a team away from home who perceived as the underdog? Um, you know, I would expect the back four to be a little bit deeper than it was. And the problem is the two centre backs, uh, Pearson and the guy who I'm not even going to try and pronounce. Um, it's uh, I just don't believe they um, they didn't have the pace to cope with being exposed. You know, um, and I don't think Aik took enough advantage of this fact. It was clear that they were wide open at times, Ostersons, as the goal proved, uh, the first uh, the equaliser. And um, I say I was just shocked how, how wide open they were at the back, but maybe that's just the, the style and tactics of of um, a team like Ostersons. You know more about them than me uh, and this English manager. And is this typical of his sort of approach, John? Yeah, they're a very ta- tactically fluid side. Uh, I think that's what makes them so interesting to watch and such an exciting team. Uh, you know, I think all neutrals really like watching them in Swedish football. I think they're considered one of the most exciting sides to to watch. And that's one of the reasons, you know, they're tactically flexible. They have this high pressing style. They like to play and get forward. They have a lot of physical players, uh, dynamic players in the way they, they move, you know, a lot of pace in the team, um, interchanging positions, that kind of thing. So, yeah, they're a really exciting team, um, but they were neutralised by AIK in the end. And I think that's maybe a, a question mark for Potter going forward. How will he can stay stay solid in games like this where they're leading? Because, you know, if they've nicked two more points there, I mean, they'd still be six points behind Malmo. But if they're going to become challenges in the end for the top three positions, you know, they're still five points behind um, North Shopping, although with a game in hand. But uh, I think that's the next step for them, maybe. But, you know, they've come so far in the last few seasons, in the last few years, you know, Swedish Cup winners, you know, they've come so far. But yeah, overall, I mean, as an observer yourself, thoughts on the game? You know, what did you learn from these two teams and how do you see things for them both going forward? Yeah, the second equaliser was absolutely shambolic from uh, uh, Vidgren at the back post. He uh, just completely um, lost track of it and he was out-muscled very easily. Very, very poor, uh, if you ask me. But yeah, my main observation going forward, Ostersons are clearly a very attacking team. I think you're going to get quite a lot of goals in, in their sort of games. It's obvious that you know, Potter's going for the win wherever, you know, he's not going to sit back and uh, uh, and go for it. It'd be interesting to see how he takes on Galatasaray, what sort of approach he'll have there in the Europa League. Um, and just before we move on, I think you wanted to talk about um, AIK striker uh, Goitom. Um, he's, he kind of links with this back four, Ossesons, left him, left him really exposed for the, the first goal. Um, but he took it well, didn't he? And he's someone that you like in this AIK team. Yeah, he's a good player. I mean, I think him and the, I think the left back position the wing back area they were the two I think major talking points of this game from an AIK perspective I don't know what Sundgren is really doing at left wing back and like you rightly pointed out you know he's more of a right-sided player um, traditionally in the team this season so that's going to be fixed now with the signing of Rasmus Lindqvist who has officially joined AIK now from uh, I think Valorenga is it uh, from a yeah. team in Norway anyway um, He'll probably slot into the left-back position, which we discussed on episode five last week. Uh, that should hopefully clear things up because, I, I mean, I, for the first few minutes, you know, I couldn't work out whether it was Johansson or 
Sungren at, at left wing back. And for the first goal, it was a bit of a nightmare, really. You know, Sungren was nowhere to be seen for that goal. I couldn't work out where he was um, for God us to put the cross in. But uh, yeah, I think although AK have struggled for goals, they look a lot more potent with Goitam in the team. Um, he took his goal well. And maybe that's an encouraging sign for AIK going forward because they have signed another striker, I think, from Argentina. So they are looking to boost their options up front. But but it was interesting, uh, you know, it'll be, it'll be comforting for them that Goitam can maybe be relied on as as the games go on. Um, but yeah, that was a really interesting game, I think, probably the game of the weekend. And um, it's good to get your thoughts on that one, Steve. Yeah, cheers. Yeah, I think the signing of Lindquist, from what I've seen, is going to be a massive upgrade on Sundgren. Um, I think Sundgren, he must have been having a picnic somewhere on the field for that first goal. No idea where he was, like you say. But Lindquist, I think, really good fit for AIK from what I've seen uh, in that game. OK, we're going to stick with Sweden. We're moving on to a player in focus this week. And we go to Malmo and uh, Magnus Wolf Ikram. A really interesting uh, case here. Um, now, I was doing a bit of research on him today. And I noticed that he had a really high amount of assists last year, 15 assists for Malmo. But for some reason, he's not been starting many games for them this year. He's been on the bench a lot. What's going on with this player, John? Yeah, he's my um, he's my uh, player in focus this week. So you've, you've taken my main stat there. Cheers, Steve. Um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> <I've> got... <laughs> nicking all my points, but no, 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 just joking. He, yeah, you're right. Uh, he's my talent in focus for the week. And I think the reason I wanted to pick him is because you know, what's the future for the Wolf? Uh, that's the big question of, of, of the week, really, in Sweden. Um, yeah, so I don't really need to maybe go too much. This isn't a young player on the up. This is more of a uh, established player in the league, title winner. Assist last season, as Steve's, as Steve's mentioned. For some reason, this season, he's, he's made a grand total of, I think, three starts um, so far, which is, you know, really poor for a one of the best players in the league. Now, why is that? That's the question everyone's asking. And, you know, nobody can really work out why. I mean, for a player like Magnus Eichel, who's, you know, 26 now, he's not a youngster, to have only played 326 minutes all season, um, is a real shame for the league, in my opinion, actually, because I think he's one of the best players in the league. Um, OK, his first game, he wasn't amazing. Uh, they played EFK Jotterburg in the opening day of the season, and they drew 1-1. Uh, and he was hauled off, I think, at half-time in that game, which I was actually attend- I actually attended that game. And he wasn't the best, to be fair. But, you know, he then didn't start another game for, th- for three matches. So, yeah, there's been question marks about that and, you know, the reasons as to why manage- the new manager, Magnus Persson, doesn't really seem to fancy him. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he's, he's well-known to the fans of Norway as well, and I don't know if you know much about this player previously uh, from his time at Mulder. Yeah, I've... Um... I obviously remember him at Mulder. Uh, and he has a really interesting history. He started off at Man United. Um, he had a stint at Cardiff. Um, and, you know, this is someone that's, that's got quite a high profile um, and, you know, quite a bit of pedigree in the past. And it seems to have come out of the blue this season um, as to, you know, him being le- left out a lot. So, you know, it seems like he actually wants to leave the club at the moment, John. Is that right? Well, yeah, I mean, it's getting to the point now where, you know, a player of that calibre can't be, can't be playing 326 minutes in, in a season. And the funny thing is, Steve, that in that time, he's, he's also got three assists. I mean, uh, you know, one game he came on against Elfsborg uh, in May, which they won 2-1. He came off the bench in the 78th minute and got two assists in 12 minutes. So, you know, that, that shows the quality he has. Um, he came on again in the AIK game 
which they won 1-0 and got another assist inside 13 minutes. Um, so, you know, he's averaging an assist every 108.6 minutes at the moment in, in the league, which is an incredible rate for someone who can't get on the team. Um, and if you look at last season, he, he scored four goals and he got 15 assists, which was the most in the league. That was in 1,641 minutes in total. Now, that is a goal or assist every 86.4 minutes. So, you know, his ratio hasn't really dropped considering the lack of game time and the fact that he's coming on late in matches. You know, so for me, really, the crux of this is, and I think this is why I wanted to talk about him this week, is I think it's almost like a message I think I want to send out to um, the rest of Sweden. Uh, I want to I get a campaign going on the Nordic Football Podcast here. And I want it to be under the hashtag Wolf Must Stay. Uh, because as far as I'm concerned, he has to stay in the league. Uh, in my opinion, if any team wants to challenge Malmo this season, um, then it should be priority number one to sign Magnus Sykram. Now, financially, I'm not sure if that would be possible for many teams. Uh, I know it will pose challenges in that sense, and I'm sure many people will say, oh, well, they won't be able to afford him. They won't be able to afford his wages or whatever. But as far as I'm concerned, I couldn't care less. I think if you have an ambition in football, uh, any sport director listening or any you know club, you know, the likes of North Shopping, serious, well, serious, I guess it will be out of their budget. But the big teams in Sweden should be looking to sign this player. As, as, uh, they should be doing everything they can. They should be, uh, okay, not not tapping them up like like uh, Jurgen Klopp, but you know they should be calling him up. They should be doing whatever they can, speaking to his, his people and trying to get him as part of their project. Because if they're going to challenge Malmo this season, they need to have a star player and he is a marquee player. And if he's unhappy and he wants to leave, you know, let's not have him going off to Turkey or Belgium or wherever. Let's keep this guy in Sweden and let's let's get some competition going. You know, the the, the, the gauntlet's there, and someone needs to step up because, as it stands, Malmo three points clear. They've got a game in hand, so effectively six points clear, uh, eight points clear of third. You know, they they're about to run away with this, lads. So if anyone wants to step up and take this league title, it's, now's the time, really. Um, sign the wolf. You know, hashtag wolf must stay. I really I really implore anyone in Sweden to keep him, and I think that would really boost the competitiveness of the division, and I think it would. It would just really improve Swedish football in general if we had someone to to challenge Malmo. So, you know, I really feel like he should stay in the league and I really hope he does. OK, I suppose um, we'd better get on with some basic information about him uh, before we move on to anything else. Uh, for those who don't actually know anything about this this player, what is his uh, main strengths and weaknesses? What sort of style is he? I mean, I would imagine, um, you know, it's pretty obvious you know, from the assists um, but, uh, you know, he's obviously a goal provider. How would you best describe him, John? Yeah, well, he came through uh, at Manchester United um, as a youngster. And he never, I don't think he may have ever made a senior appearance there, but he was always highly rated in the in the academy there. Uh, under Solskjaer, I think at, some, at one point, Solskjaer used to be the um, U-team, I think, 21s coach at United for a while uh, and then took him to Molder. I think he took him to Molder, yeah, I believe. Um, yeah, I mean, he's a, he's a delicate player. I mean, he was... When he was a youngster, he was very, very slight. And that was one of the problems why he never maybe made it in the Premier League. He was, he was extremely slight for, for the, uh, the physical demands of that league. Um, and that was maybe why he struggled. But he's, you know, he's, he's a bit older now. He's a bit more, um, you know, he's got a bit more resistance to the demands of, of, of top-level football now. And, you know, there's a video on YouTube you can look up and you can see all his assists last season. You know, it's all listed there, um, you know, assist king. And, you know, that's, that's worth it to see the kind of player he is. I mean, some of the assists he's got this season in quality, you know, he's a really good cross- crossover of the ball, um, provides good through balls, that kind of thing. Um, an attacking player, he can play in really almost any position, actually, across the midfield. There's defensive midfield, central midfield, 
you know, right midfield with his crossing ability, attacking midfield with his through ball uh, ability, often left midfield as well. So he's, you know, really, really versatile. Um, I think he's got around 17 caps for Norway, maybe more, I'm not sure. Um, but yeah, you know, I can't see why the manager doesn't fancy him. And, you know, Magnus Pearson has come in and he's really, he, he's tended to rotate quite a lot. I mean, Oscar Levicki was their main player uh, in the midfield really this season. And he was dropped for the AFC game this weekend. I, I don't believe there was any injury reason for that. And he came off the bench and scored the winner. So, you know, Pearson has tended to rotate. You know, even Marcus Rosenberg, their main striker, has missed a couple of games. He was benched against Kalmar uh, for no reason. They drew nil-nil. He was benched against Hammerby. Um, so, you know, he's been rotated. And Wolves been the victim of that. And I don't really... It's difficult to see why. I mean, I know they have a talented midfield. And one player who will, will be probably focusing in weeks to come is Matthias Fanberg, who came on the, uh, the weekend and scored. And he looks really, really good. He's, a, I think, 18, 19-year-old um, talent. But I can't see why Magnus doesn't get more appearances, Icrum. Uh, so, yeah, the hashtag the wolf must stay, really, in my opinion. Yeah, it's. I think it's a pretty good description of him, to be honest, John, from what I know. Um, I mean, obviously, I forgot to mention he's, he's Norwegian. So I know there's been links to some Norwegian clubs in this transfer window. And I think he would be a massive coup for any elite Serian side, uh, to be honest with you. I think he would be a massive difference maker for any team if they could afford him or, or manage to get hold of him. I know Valerenga were, were mentioned at one point. Um, I guess the, the real question is, is where next? I mean, it doesn't look like he's going to stay um, at, at Malmo. So I know there's talk about him staying in Scandinavia. Is, is there a particular club uh, in in the Arsvenskin where you'd say he would be an absolutely brilliant fit? Yeah, that's actually a really good question, Stephen. I'm probably slightly un- unprepared for that one. But if I was to think off the top of my head, um, well, I mean, I suppose you'd, you'd be looking at a team who lacks for goals. So, you know, I know we've talked about them a fair amount, but I, I, would, I would maybe say it'd be perfect for AIK. You know, maybe as a number 10 there. I know Shizaki's a, a bit of a legendary figure for the club, but maybe as a 10, uh, or he could play. I mean, I wouldn't put him in a wing-back role necessarily. But maybe he could play as one of the three central midfielders. Um, you know, his creativity would be perfect for that team. You know, behind Goitamo, you know, this new this new striker from Argentina. I think he's called Stefanelli. Um, maybe another team lacking for goals at the moment is Hacken. Uh, they've only scored 14 goals all season. If, Mag- if they were, managed, were able to get Magnus Wolf, uh, Ikram, to come in there and, and complement that sort of attacking lineup, he 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 could almost fit them perfectly because. You know, Hacken play an, an exciting style as well. Um, even though they lack for goals, uh, they do play. They do try and play an enterprising brand of football. So, really, any team in the league would benefit from him. I mean, like I say, he's the, you know, he was a, the top assist provider in the league. So, every single club could probably benefit from a player of his ability. Um, they were to sell him to North Shopping and then they were to not, notch up a few wins. That would put pressure on Magnus Persson because, to be honest, I think Persson would be more nervous than an Englishman in a, in a sauna full of naked Swedish women because, <laughs> um, you know, Norship could really challenge them for the title and, you know, you come, might come to regret sort of benching him and ostracising uh, the wolf. So that would be the one I'd like to see him really if I had to pick one team I would like to see him go to. But, um, you know, obviously rivalry sometimes dictate that. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting to follow his progress and uh, um, thanks for your thoughts on the, on this player. Uh, really great section there, I thought. No problem at all, yeah. Uh, interesting to talk about. And yeah, we'd like to hear everyone's thoughts, where you think the Wolf will go and 
you know, if you ha- hit us up on the hashtag Wolf Must Stay, then, you know, we can talk more about him on, on Twitter, maybe. <laughs> yeah, so who have we got this week then in, in Norway as the talent focus, uh, Steve? I believe you're going for a, a bit of a marksman, is that right? Yeah, I'm going with the leading goal scorer in the Elite Serien, Oe Omoyuanfo, who plays for Starbeck. Um, ten goals now he's up to. Um, and there's been quite a lot of focus on this player, right from uh, day one, actually, where he scored a hat-trick against Arsenal on the opening day of the season. And um, with the transfer window approaching, there's been plenty of stories linking him uh, away from the league, especially to, to Eastern Europe. So well, um, I think we'd better mention him before he leaves the league, uh, John. Well, the first thing to say there is congratulations on your pronunciation. I have to commend you for that because uh, not everybody can probably pronounce that. And you've uh, rolled that one off the tongue there uh, very eloquently. So well done, Steve, for that. But, um, yeah, I mean, a little birdie actually tells me you're not a massive fan of this player. Well, as far as the pronunciation goes, I've been practising for 14 weeks now, uh, John, so uh, I would hope to get it right by now. But, um, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, let's start with the big positives of, of uh, Oe Amoy Wanfo. Uh, he, um, physically, I think he's a real beast, actually. He's got it all. Um, um, great header of the ball, and uh, he can out-muscle opponents in the box. Um, he's got a little bit of pace when he needs it and I think he's a really good all-round sort of physical player which is a great starting point in the elite Assyrian. Um I think he does have good technical skills uh, when he's sort of in the zone um, he's a very instinctive sort of finisher and I think sometimes when he um, doesn't have much time to finish um, some of his best uh, goals actually um, I mean it's just one at the weekend against Sanderfield um, they uh, they caught Sanderford napping for a uh, free kick, but he had a really good finish. Um, another one against Viking last minute. Uh, surprise, surprise. Uh, last kick of the game to get him a one-all draw. Again, a really instinctive finish. Um, so, yeah, I think that's that's the real big positive of um, Oe. And uh, it's interesting. He only scored four goals last season, John. He came into his own in the uh, relegation playoff match against his old club, Jerv. He uh, scored two goals in the 83rd and 85th minute to basically keep Starbeck in the elite Serie, and he hasn't looked back from there. Uh, two hat tricks already. I say the leading goal scorer. Why am I not a ma- massive, massive fan? I think my biggest problem with um, with Oe. Is... To that, Steve. Sorry, uh, just to clarify. So, is is he a striker, the out and out striker? Then, what kind of player is he? And uh, has he always played in Norway? Or was he, you know, come from somewhere else? I know. He's, I, I, yeah. I believe that's a Nigerian name, as far as I'm as far as I'm aware. Yeah, he's always played in Norway, and yeah, he is a. Uh, a genuine number nine, uh, sort of a target man, I suppose you could say, in a way. Um, and yeah, yeah, completely up front. He can't play on the wings. So yeah, some interesting points there, Steve. So it seems like he's an out-and-out striker. But yeah, little birdie tells me, as I mentioned earlier, that you're not maybe a massive fan of him. I mean, he's got 10 goals in 15 games, is that correct? But you're maybe not too convinced. Um, it seems he might be going to, you know, like you said, he might be leaving the league. So what what's your beef with him? I think um, his lack of um, clinicality um, is a weakness. I think his his composure is questionable when he's got a lot of time in front of goal. Uh, say he's one on one with a goalkeeper, or he's got a massive chance. Um, I think there's there's potentially issues um, when, when that happens. I think he misses too many good chances. He, he should have had fifteen or more goals by now, John. Um, but you know you can kind of counter that out with these sort of split split chances instinct chances where he finishes them really well so he's got to work on on the the easier finishes i think a bit at times um uh, as but yeah he, he's got plenty of positives but 
that that it's just that little gripe in the back of my head. You know, in a league where there's not going to be as many chances, he has got to be converting some of the easier ones on a more regular basis. You know. Of course, yeah. I mean, and looking at his profile here, he's he's 23, so I mean, he's still got room to develop a little bit. Um, what does he really need to do to go to that next level? And maybe the, a follow-up question is, what clubs are looking at him, and you know, what kind of maybe price range is he is he being touted at at this moment in time? Well, I'm guessing you know better coaching, uh, better facilities, a uh, better club, and I'm, I think actually playing on a better home pit surface would do him uh, the world of good good as well. The Starbeck pitch isn't very good. Um, and hasn't been all year. How much is he worth? Well, uh, there's been talk about him going to Turkey for around five hundred thousand um, pounds, and uh, sorry, euros, not pounds. And you know what? I think that would actually be a fair price. Um, you know, even I would probably t- maybe take a punt on him um, at that sort of price, especially if I was sort of a bigger club and I've got you know that sort of money is not a lot, is it, for some of the bigger clubs? But if you're talking closer to the million mark, uh, you know, maybe sort of 800,000 or more, then I think you, no, I wouldn't pay that. I think that would be paying well over the odds for, for him. Um, but yeah, it looks like the, the, the most likely destinations are Turkey, Eastern Europe, possibly Russia. Um, I, would, I would be interested to see how he would get on in, say, the English Championship, I must say. He's got the physique to compete in that, in, in the Championship. Whether or not he's got the the overall technical level yet i'm not sure but i think yeah i think it would do him good to move away um to a better club with better facilities um and then he could maybe develop into an all-rounder he does have that potentially still young like you said yeah i mean that were you that was uh, going to be my question actually so <clears throat> you're ahead of the game on that one but do you do you feel i was going to say do you do you think he would be of interest in maybe premier league clubs or but you seem to have answered that one by suggesting he's maybe championship championship level at this time no, I mean, if he's good enough to play in the in the Premier League right now, I mean, I'm the king of bloody Burma, mate. Um, <laughs> he um, he's championship level potentially, yeah. Uh, you know, I'm not I'm not in, certainly not top six championship level, but in time, who knows? Um, you know, he's a really interesting player. He has he has come on quite quickly in the last year, um, so maybe I've got one other worry about him. Um, when he scored these two hat tricks at the start of the year. You know, the league's talking about him a lot. He was, you know, the star man at that point in time. And I think he was kind of enjoying that, the limelight a lot and um, maybe even easing off a, a little bit. Um, I just think if he got a, a big move abroad and, you know, he got a decent wage packet, is he is he going to stay really focused and motivated and, and working hard? I mean, I, I might be completely wrong here, uh, but I just got a feeling maybe he would relax a little bit. And I could honestly see him saying go to Turkey and within a year and a half, you know, ending up being on the bench and then just moving back to Scandinavia again. That's just my gut feeling, though. I might be completely wrong there, but that is my other slight worry about uh, Owe. Really interesting point you've made there, because just looking at his stats, you know, maybe is he something of a flat-track bully in a sense, because he's, he's banged two hat-tricks in the first sort of four games, but then he scored four goals in the next 11. So four in 11, it's not quite as impressive as it is, as, you know, you know six in six in whatever it is, four. Um, so that is a really interesting point, maybe, you know, maybe the focus thing, but... You're, you know, to summarise, then you're saying five hundred grand or so. Yes, anything more, you know, yeah, no. walk out of the bank and and uh, get your next taxi. Yeah, you know, I, yeah, I think five hundred thousand euros. Even I, you know, I would be willing to take a punt on him because I think that isn't that isn't an awful lot of money. Depends what club you're at. You know, if you're on a tight budget, no, I wouldn't be risking it then. But if you've got a little bit of money, uh, you know, not to burn, but that you can splash out on. 
yeah, that, that I could see people that having to go to him for that sort of price. But say if you were going to pay a million euros, no way. I mean, that's daylight robbery. So mm. um, yeah, I think going forward, I think he will move away from the league. And I would wish him the very best of luck for that. And, um, you know, uh, hope he would, hopefully maybe he can prove me wrong, you know, and end up in a really, really high level. But um, mm. I'm not totally convinced that will happen, John. So my that's very my final, My very final question there, in, in a word then, um, or, you know, in a sentence, you can't see him maybe going to someone like Rosenberg then. He, you know, he's definitely leaving the league. Uh, well, you never know, dear. But, um, I, yeah, I, I'm not really heard, heard anything about him uh, staying in, in Norway. Or even Scandinavia, to be honest. But I suppose it is a is a possible option. Yeah, um, you know, it's not. It wouldn't be an awful lot of money for for certain clubs. Um, yeah, that's a good point. Maybe it could happen. But it just seems these links with Eastern Europe are too too strong. Turkey is a really popular destination for players from Norway, and and I could see, I could certainly see him ending up ending up there. Um, overall, okay. So um, that pretty much rounds off this podcast, John. Um, great uh, doing it with you as as always. Um, I think it was a really good episode um and hopefully everyone can join us next week yeah i mean hopefully everyone enjoyed the show like us like i said before feedback or comments uh you can follow us at nordic foot pod um uh, nordic football podcast we're also on itunes uh, you can you know subscribe to the podcast there um this weekend there's obviously a raft of games i haven't really looked at the schedule to be fair but i think hacken hacken malmo stands out as one for in sweden um but yeah thanks a lot everyone and hope you've enjoyed it and we'd love to hear your comments okay well i'll say goodbye everyone take care and until the next edition goodbye